0: Our spiritual world's got to be in right alignment. Am I telling the truth? For our financial life to be what it should be, our spiritual life needs to be what it should be. For our relational life to be what it should be, our spiritual life needs to be what it should be. For our emotional well-being, our spiritual life has to be intact. And our our hope and our direction is that, that we've we base all of our lives on what the Word of God says. And, um, you know, I just, uh, it's, it's the foundation. And we're going to draw some truth today out of, out of His Word, out of His, His truth. Without it, we have nothing. The Bible says the truth of God's Word will stand. Heaven and earth will absolutely pass away. But his word will stand, and so he's given us things, principles, and stuff to live by. Things from his voice, from his heart that he's spoken, are the things that are to be the bread that we live by, the things we ingest and grow by. And so we're going to look at a couple of things today. Last week, I remember telling you this. This, um, if I get it to work, you can hit it, Thomas. Last week, we talked about. I don't even remember me telling you this. The average American spends a spends $1.25 for every dollar that they earn. That doesn't add up very well, does it? That's a hole you're trying to dig out of. And so, you know what that tells me? That tells me that there, there's, there's a thing that's a problem. There's a thing called stewardship that's not being acted upon. God has entrusted us with something, we are misusing it, therefore we're digging a hole. A steward, a stewardship is the conducting or supervising or managing of something, the careful and responsible management of something entrusted to one's care. Jeanette said it a minute ago when we shook up the offering that God's the one who supplied seed to the sower. He's the one who's given us, he's entrusted you with a job, he's entrusted you with an income, he's entrusted some of you with a family, he's entrusted you with s- different kinds of stuff. He's entrusted you with children. He's entrusted you with, um, I don't know, a vehicle. Go down the list. He's entrusted you with property, maybe. He's entrusted you with... And all of those things have come from him. He's the one who provides. They're not yours to begin with. They're his. And so um, he's entrusted you to do that. That's what stewardship is. Now, a steward... If, there, if, you, if you are acting out in stewardship, you are a steward, and a, and a, and a uh, definition of steward is a fiscal agent, okay? So I'm just going to give you a real quick kind of an English lesson. Let's go down the list. We're talking about stewardship. A steward is the person who operates in stewardship. A steward is the person who is a fiscal agent. What's the word fiscal mean? How many of you guys have heard that and go, what are they talking about? Anybody done that? Watch Fox Business News, CNBC. They're talking about fiscal year and different things like that. Fiscal stuff has to or relates to financial matters. Okay. Well, our issue is we've not been very good stewards. Maybe some of us as individuals. Definitely, as a nation, as a whole, we have squandered stuff. I can't beat around the bush on that. We have. We have not treated the blessing of God with much respect. We have not taken very good care of what God's entrusted us with. I might be talking to you, but I'm talking to all of us as a, as a, as a group for sure. I, Proverbs 10.22 says this, The blessing of the Lord makes one rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. I would say the blessing of the Lord is what's caused America to be as great as, it, as she is. I believe that with all my heart. He's entrusted us with some great responsibility. He's given us a nation of freedom and liberty, and we have to use that thing wisely. But the thing is, well, we're experiencing a lot of sorrow, a lot of grief right now. Yes, we are, but I don't believe that's God's fault. That's not part of the blessing of the Lord. Well, we have an issue, we have an issue with stewardship. I want to read you a piece of an article that was sent to me this week, okay? The government is supposed to be trying to stimulate our economy, okay? Let's talk about stewardship for just a second. After failing to pass the spending bill last week, the Senate tried again Tuesday to get enough votes. The bill's passage was delayed by critics complaining the spending bill was packed with thousands of lawmakers' pet projects, also known as earmarks. Listen to this next line. Some 8,000 of them. You want to know what some of them are? Let me just give you a list. Let's just make you really happy. More than a million dollars for Mormon crickets in Utah, 2.6 million on a wood education and resource center in West Virginia, 6.6 million to research subterranean termites in Louisiana, 1.7 million to research swine odor and manure management on Iowa hog farms, 1.9 million on a water taxi in Connecticut, It is being billed as the water taxi to nowhere by the group called Citizens Against Government Waste. The Senate handily defeated Arizona Senator John McCain's amendment to strip all the earmarks out of the spending bill, which has drawn critics from both sides of the aisle. What, we, what are we, as members of Congress, going to do to sacrifice to show the American people that in the long, in the long run there is some fiscal discipline around this town? And that was Senator Evan Bay, a Democrat in Indiana, who said that. How can we be doing this at a time when our economy is in terrible trouble and people overseas are fighting a war, asked Jim DeMitt, a Republican from South Carolina. We're borrowing all this money. People back at home are asking, what are we thinking Still, several Republicans crossed the aisle Tuesday to move the bill a step closer to becoming law. God's entrusted us with great things. And see what we do? We don't manage it well. We don't take good care of things. We don't exercise certain, certain scriptural concepts that would keep us out of trouble. So today, we talked last week about not being shaken. We talked last week about, about understanding that, 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 that our part in this is the part of being uh, a, a part of a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Regardless of what else goes on in life, Jesus says He's handing us a kingdom that cannot. He didn't say won't or anything He said it can't. There's not even a possibility that the kingdom of God can be shaken. And so, first, if we're going to stimulate your economy, you've got to come to that agreement. And all of our, our ask, all, everything we're looking at from this point on is going to clarify that. Now, step, step two for stimulating your economy. You start about step one, you're in a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Step two, realize that your part in the kingdom is the role of a faithful steward. That's your part to play. Okay? So what does that mean? Being faithful means you keep your priorities straight. Last week we looked at Matthew chapter 6. Was it was a hallmark passage Scripture we looked at. This week we will look at Luke chapter 12 a, a good bit. So you must wanna, might want to put your finger in there and stay there possibly. Jesus said these words. If you have a red-letter edition Bible, you will find these words written in red. Men, our Savior said them. And it says this, And don't worry about food, what to eat and what to drink. This is a parallel passage of Scripture to Matthew 6 we looked at last week. Don't worry whether God will provide it for you. These things dominate the thoughts of most people, but your Father already knows your needs. He will give you all you need from day to day if you make the kingdom of God your primary concern. So don't be afraid, little flock, for it, it gives your father great happiness to give you the kingdom. It gives God great happiness to be able to entrust us with things, to give us responsibilities, to give us things to participate in, to give us an opportunity to, 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 to make a difference on this planet. It gives our father great happiness to do that, okay? Now, if we're going to be good stewards, we've got to understand what he's talking about. A real basic principle here found in Scripture. If if we're faithful in finances, faithfulness in finances leads to responsibility, greater responsibility and blessing. Did you know that? That's in the Scripture. Where we're at? Well, it's right there in Luke chapter 16. Let me read these words to you. He was faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he was unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, we talked about what mammon was last week. You guys remember that? Mammon was a Syriac term. It means it was a god of riches. It, re- it referred directly to wealth. It de- refers directly to, to, to money issues, to finance. That's what that word means. And so Jesus says right here, Therefore, if you have not been faithful in that, in money, who will commit to your trust the true riches? Jesus said those words. I didn't say those words. Okay? And if you've not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? Then verse 13 of Luke 16 is just like a passage of Scripture we looked at in Matthew chapter 6 last week. No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. So if we're going to continue down this path of being in the kingdom, we've got to start being responsible. You, uh, there's, I know you get caught up with a lot, of, a lot of things like, you know, TV preachers and different things like that, where it seems like they're always asking for money and doing all this other stuff. And it's about how God wants to bless you. And, and it's true, all that's true. I don't have any problem with that. But listen, I want to make, you, make sure you understand something. Listen according to what I just read here in Luke 16. Financial blessing on the rung of growth in the kingdom is about right here. It's not the mean. It's not the end. It's the means. Every other blessing—relational, spiritual, emotional, kingdom stuff—is that's that's the bottom rung. Is just walking in economic blessing. That's the bottom of the pile. So when I start talking about this, don't think I'm just this preacher to get your money. I have no use for that whatsoever. <laughs> I'm just saying. We're down here on this, we're just talking right down here right now. Jesus said, if, 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 you, if, you, if I can trust you with this low thing, I'll trust you with greater things. And so that tells me everything else that he's going to talk about from that point on is greater than just having money. Okay? Are we all there? You can put the defense mechanisms down. We can move on, right? Everybody know where I'm coming from. Okay. So here's the priorities to help keep your priorities straight. Number one. You have got to walk in contentment as a a follower of Christ. Listen to what Paul writes to Timothy. Now, godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And he makes this statement, and having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. The reason our priorities get messed up is because we get things out of order. We begin to concentrate on certain things. We, as people of the kingdom, have to make the kingdom first. Matthew chapter 6, we talked about that. Seek first the kingdom of God, and then all that other stuff will be added unto you, right? Don't worry about food. Don't worry about clothes. But here's the thing. We get ate up worrying about stuff, and then we get our priorities off the kingdom of God. We get ate up thinking we don't have certain things. We don't have what everybody else has. We don't get what everybody else gets. Life treats us unfair. People treat us unfair. And all of a sudden we're discontented, and then our focus is way off. Well, I don't have the same whatever. Who cares? God's provided for you what you have need of today. Well, it's not what so-and-so's got. Well, who, who knows? We're, you're at different places. You can't, Paul wrote these words, he said, we err when we compare ourselves one to the other. Maybe, just maybe, they've maybe been a little wiser than you have on certain things. I know several people who are much wiser than me, and because they're wiser than me, they're a little bit further in other areas of my life than I am right now. That's just being honest, right? Right? Maybe, just maybe, God's doing a character development thing in your life, and He's just not quite ready to let you have that just yet, right? And so, and He's much more concerned about that. So don't get ate up. Be content. You know what the Bible says? If you were down on verse 9 of 1 Timothy chapter 6, you'll find these words Those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, a snare, into both foolish, to many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men, drowned men in destruction and perdition. So here, we're going to talk about. The key thought here is to be content with what God has already provided. I don't know why that's not coming up. And, be, and keep focused on heaven. He's saying God is with contempt is great gain, concentrate on what you already have. He says, you brought nothing into this world, and you're taking nothing with you, so your focus has to be on heaven. Okay, Let me talk about a parable for a minute. Um, in Luke 12, 13, you'll find these words. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, "'Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me.' But Jesus said to him, "'Friend, who set me to be a judge or an arbitrator over you?' And he said to them, "'Take care. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions.' Then he told them a parable. The land of a rich man produced abundantly. And he thought to himself, what should I do? For I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul. Can you hear him saying that? Soul. Pulling on his collar there and getting everything straight. Soul. You have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. God said to him, you fool, went from soul to fool. This very night your life is demanded of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasure for themselves, but are not rich towards God. There are some things there I recognize about contentment. Number one, life does not consist in the abundance of stuff. Everybody say stuff. Do you guys have stuff at your house? Well, we're not rich, Aaron. I know that. I don't know if you guys remember back in the fall sometime, I told you a a statistic. If, let's remember these lines, if, you may not think you're rich, but just let's reassess for a minute. If, how many of you have a roof over your head? How many of you have a bed with a pillow? How many of you have shoes that aren't worn out? How many of you have a refrigerator that has electricity in it and has food in it? you have just made yourself more wealthy than 90% of the world's population. So who says you don't have enough? Whose gauge are you using? You should be content with what God, life is not consistent in the abundance of stuff. Life is found in the power and the work of Jesus Christ, in the, 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 the relationship with him. You know, I found out something else. This dude says, what can I do? He had run out of places to put his stuff. You know, what I thought it would have been a great thing to do help people who don't have stuff. But his idea was no, I need to build bigger. I need to get larger. I need to do this. It was all about what was going on with him. Contentment will keep you you're focused off of what's going on with you and help you focus on other people. That's another an issue. It's all right. I found this in there. It's all right to have treasure. Did you find that last line? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves. But are not rich towards God. What the antithesis of that is, if you're rich towards God, you can probably handle treasure. The problem is, if you're, not, if you're walking in poverty spiritually, you probably can't handle it. That's what he's saying. There's a guy I appreciate a lot, who I believe is a man of God, doing some great work. I don't agree with everything he says, everything he does, but I think he's doing a great work. named Rick Warren. You know what? You know. Do you guys know that guy works for free? Not only does he work for free, he's paid his church back everything it ever paid him. Not only that, he moved to Los Angeles or whatever it is, where Saddleback is. What is that? I forget what the name of the town is. 25-something years ago. You know something? He lives in the same house he moved into when he moved to that place. Lived in the same place for 25 years. You know what else he does? He lives on 10%, gives away 90%. He could have been like old boy here in Luke 12 and gone, I'll oh, see, I got all this. What am I going to do with it now? I could, buy, I could build a bigger house. I could build a bigger garage. I could buy more cars. You know what he's chosen to do? He's chosen to build the kingdom. He's doing the work of the Lord. I respect that. That's what... It's all right for him to have treasure because he's rich towards God. Do you get what I'm saying? I'm just saying. I'd like to be that kind of a person. I, I'm, I'm striving towards that. I hope that God one day, he can trust me with anything in this planet. But right now, I've not graduated to that yet. I'm working on it. Are you working on it? Let's be content with what God's given us. Amen. Number, number two, the next tool to help you keep your priorities straight is to learn Discipline. Paul writes to Timothy again. He says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but he's given us the power of love and of a sound mind. This word, sound mind, isn't what you think it is, probably. It refers to discipline. It's referring to keeping yourself in check. See, the Spirit of God comes upon us, and he helps us do things we aren't capable of love. You know, you know what I'd say about The, the Bible says in another passage of Scripture, that Paul wrote, that, that there is no fear in God because perfect love casts out fear. Okay, now he says he's given us the spirit of love and of power and of a sound mind. Is that what it just said there? And here's why we don't have to walk in fear. Because when we're walking, operating by the powers and the principles of God, all of a sudden things that would be normally issues and, worry and worrisome and fearful just aren't. Because we've done things according to his plans and his purposes. Does that mean everything works out 100% right all the time? Absolutely not. But it means we're a little further down the path. You know, for many of us right now, we would not be in fear if we'd already walked in discipline. Some of you are in fear right now because you've just not been disciplined financially. That's just being honest. I'm just telling the truth. I've gotten myself in trouble in times. Where I've not walked in discipline, and it's cost me not just money, but time, energy, emotional tax. You guys know what I'm saying? We would not be in fear. Listen, the Bible says in in Proverbs 29 that where there's no revelation, where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. But listen to the next line. But happy is he who keeps the law. Now, listen to that statement. If there's no understanding of what God expects, and by understanding I mean knowing what God says and then acting upon it, then there's no restraint. No restraint means you do whatever you want. When you do whatever you want, you get yourself in trouble. But if you keep the law, you keep the principles of God, if you're seeking out the word of God and you're asking God, what, not only what speak to me, but when you speak to me, teach me how to carry out what you've spoken, then you operate in restraint. You don't do everything everybody else does. You, 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 you act differently. Happy is he who keeps the law. Let me talk about another part uh, about discipline. Luke chapter 12, verses 35 through 40, you'll find these words. Let your waist be girded and your lamps burning, and you yourselves be like men who wait for their master, who return from the wedding, that when he comes and knocks, they may open to him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, will find watching. Assuredly, I say to you that he will gird himself and have them sit down to eat and will come and serve them. And if he should come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them so, blessed are those servants. But know this: that if that master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Now listen, in the light of the revelation that Jesus is coming, how many of you guys believe that? Is he a man of his promise? Is he a man of his word? Did he say, I'll be back? He didn't have, like, an Austrian accent or anything like that. He's much bigger than Arnold. I'll be back. Okay, maybe you will. Maybe you won't. We don't know. Election time is coming. We don't know. Um, he's, he's in the light of the revelation. Remember, where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint. In the light of the revelation that Jesus is coming and that he's entrusted to us his kingdom, we should live as good servants being disciplined and waiting his arrival. We should live every day in the light of one day Jesus is coming. It could be today. It could be tomorrow. What are we doing with the stuff he's entrusted us with? Is he able to say to us, Blessed are you, faithful servant, enter into the joy of your Lord. Am I right? Did Jesus tell us to shoot for that? Those are the greatest commendations we will ever receive. Right? Now, in light of that, we should we, we should... It takes discipline to remain girded and to keep lamps burning. You're going to wake up every day saying, you know what? I'm not going to do what I want to do today. I'm going to do what he wants. I'm going to keep my waist girded with the truth. I'm going to walk in the truth. I'm going to keep my oil burning in my lamp. I'm going to make sure it doesn't run out. You just can't get flippant and and, easy going if you're going to be waiting and watching. He says, keep the lamps burning. Keep your waist girded. On, in the armor of God, the waist, the girdle, the girdle of truth, the waist was the, the belt thing. My goodness, my mind is moving faster, my tongue can keep up. Is the belt of truth. He said, You got to keep that thing on. What that means, it's what holds everything together. You can't get lazy about that. You got to walk that thing out, that truth, that application of that truth every day. So, another thing I noticed is we must remain disciplined. Because we do not know when he's gonna repair. We really don't know. We had this discussion the other day at a National Day of Prayer meeting. We thought we might be, might, might be neat to have, we talked about pastors praying. We might, might, might be neat to kick off the service with the guy who's a pre trib guy. And then about halfway through the service, have a guy who's a mid trib guy. And then at the end of the service, have a guy who's a post trib guy. They're sharing just because, you know what I'm saying? None of, us, none of us really know when Jesus is coming. And because we don't know, we're just going to live in the aspect that, you know what, he is. He just is. And that should guard our entire lives. That should guard our entire walk. That should guard everything about us. We should walk in discipline. You know, part two of this parable about discipline, you'll find in verses 42 through 48. And it reads like this. And the Lord said, Who then is the faithful and wise steward, whom his master will make ruler over his household? to give, him, give them their portion of food in due season. Blessed is that servant whom his, whom his master will find, so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will make him ruler over all that he has. But if that servant says in his heart, My master's delay in his coming, and begins to beat the male and female servants, and to eat and drink and be drunk, the master of that servant will come on a day when he's not looking for him, at an hour when he's not aware, and will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. Ooh. And that servant who knew his master's will and did not prepare himself or do according to his will shall be beaten with many stripes. How many guys are looking forward to that? But he who did not know, didn't understand what was expected of him, yet committed these things deserving of stripes, shall be beaten with few. That's a little bit better. For everyone to whom much is given, from him much will be required, and to whom much has been committed of him, they will ask the more. Um. Here's some thoughts about this I want to kind of make you think about. God is, God is absolutely looking for faithfulness. It is the one thing God promotes on the basis of. He doesn't promote on the basis of skill. He does not promote on the basis of, of how you look or what part of town you come from. He does not like all the rest of us who, who you know, grant favors and stuff for all kinds of different reasons. God promotes on the basis of faithfulness and faithfulness alone. That's just the truth. That's what the scriptures say. And sometimes God will pass over a guy who's really qualified because he's found a guy who's more faithful hanging in the, the background. God is looking for faithfulness. And something else I thought of to take our eyes off the prize will cause us to misuse what God has entrusted us with. Our prize is always heaven. The whole parables here we've read is about Jesus coming. That one day heaven is our home. That's the whole focus. Jesus kept saying, "I'm coming. I'm coming. Heaven is waiting. Keep your eyes on that." And when we get our eyes, the, the, the servant said, uh, "My master delaying is coming." You know what I noticed about that? When we get our eyes off the prize, when we start to misuse what God entrusted us with, people get hurt. This misuse will hurt people. Talk. Have you guys been watching TV lately? How about the news? Have you ever heard about this dude called Bernie Madoff? He was neither content nor disciplined. And you know what happened? Bunches of people have been hurt. People who have a lot of money and people who don't have a lot of money. I heard somebody on the radio the other day. They, did, they just retired. Had everything set aside. They invested with Bernie. Now, the husband, who used to work as a doctor, is now being a security guard. He's 78 years old. He should be enjoying everything he worked for, and now he's having to work as a security guard. His wife has gone back to work, I think, being a receptionist or something somewhere. I can't remember what she said she was doing. And I sat there, and my heart just broke. This guy was all by himself. He got his eyes off of, uh, uh, I don't know if he was ever a Christian or anything, but he, he was undisciplined with what, what was entrusted to him. People entrusted him with their finances, and he just used them however, whatever, whatever he wanted to do. He just did with them. That hurt people. I wonder how many times God's entrusted us with stuff, and people have suffered, and we didn't even realize it. You know? God's entrusted you with certain things, and if you misuse it, it could hurt people. You know what I also notice? When we take our eyes off the prize and we don't realize, pay attention to what God's entrusted us with, it causes us to be consumers rather than investors. You notice it says there, he began to eat and drink and be drunk. That's the definition of a consumer. Okay? He was consuming stuff. You know what God asked him to do? He asked him to take what he had been given him and invest it in the lives of other people. Not to use it for his own stuff. The Bible says God asks us, we have problems because we consume things of our own fl- lust. We have problems. God gives us certain things, and we get into problems when we take them, and we just use them because we want to. And God's entrusted us with those things to invest in the lives of other people. Last thing I want to say. In time, this will cause force discipline to be enacted over our lives. So you're going to be disciplined one way or the other. Discipline is coming one way or the other. You can choose to walk in it right now, or you can wait until he shows up. Either way, discipline is coming. I would just choose to get on the discipline bandwagon right now. We have ourselves a problem because we don't walk in contentment, because we don't walk in discipline. Last week, I encouraged you, file a chapter 6. This week, forget chapter 7, Go to chapter 6. Jump back to chapter 6. Go to Matthew chapter 6 and read the last few verses of chapter 6 of Matthew. And then jump forward. Let's follow chapter 12 this week. Matthew chapter 12 says this. 29. And that's not good under verse 40. I forget where I stopped it at. Don't worry about food, what to eat, what to drink. Don't worry whether God will provide it for you. For these things dominate the thoughts of most people. But your Father already knows your needs. He will give you all you need from day to day if you make the kingdom of God your primary concern. So don't be afraid, little flock, for it it gives your father great happiness to give you the kingdom. Today, as you sit here, if you've not walked in contentment, if you've not walked in discipline, today's the day to file a chapter 12 and say, I'm not going to think the thoughts everybody else thinks. I'm not going to look at things. He said, these things dominate the thoughts of most people. I think it's the New Living Translation I used here. These thoughts dominate most people. Today as a Christian, you've got to say, they're not going to dominate my thoughts any longer. Dave Ramsey says, if you want to live like anybody else, you've got to live like nobody else. I mean, I said that wrong, didn't I? If you want to live like nobody else, you need to live like nobody else. Okay, if you want to be above everything that's going on here, you've got to start walking like a person in the kingdom who lives according to different principles, who lives according to a different law, who lives according to a different perspective of life. You know what I heard from some pastors the other day? Check this out. The Chinese government is getting it. They started looking at the people in their country and different things who had the best perspective, and they found out, check this out, they believed Christians had the best worldview. You know what they're making? They're, Pastor Skip Cousins told me this the other day. Was it Pastor Skip? I think it was Pastor Skip said that. They're, they're, it is becoming law that the worldview of a Christian in China has to be the law of the day. Is that creepy or what? But you know why that's going on? Because it works. I hope our government gets a clue. We should know better than that than just about anybody else on the planet. If we apply these things, God will work it out for us. The government's not going to save us. If they're going to ask us, I think it's amazing. Is it amazing? I'm on a soapbox. I should be wrapping up. Is it amazing it's patriotic to pay more tax? But it's not patriotic to stop funding your pet projects? Does that even make sense to you at all? I just thought I'd drop that there. I don't know. Here's, my, here's my last points. Listen. Here's how you file chapter 12. Number one, you refuse to worry. You allow God to be your provider. He said, don't worry about food. Jesus, those are Jesus' words. God will provide, provide it for you, he says. You know what You know the other thing you, do? you need to do? You need to commit to be content. You need to commit yourself to live to a higher rule. You're going to be content. You're not going to get caught up with all the junk everybody else is getting caught up with. Number two, number three, you need to demand of yourself to be disciplined. The apostle Paul said, I take my body, I beat it into subjection. That's what he said. It will not rule over me, he said. I'm going to tell my body what I need and what I want. It's not going to tell me. You know what he was saying? My flesh will get me in trouble every time. Whether I'm talking about food, whether I'm talking about finances, whether I'm talking about lust, whether I'm talking about Addiction, what I'm talking about, it makes no difference. you will get me in trouble every time. He said, I dem- demand of yourself to be disciplined. Let me say this. Don't get under condemnation if you're sitting here and you're going, dude, I have not been content. If you're convicted, that's great. Jesus likes to convict people so he gets them on the right track. But if you're under condemnation and today you're sitting here going, dude, I am so goofed up. I messed some things up really bad. Listen. If you're not being content, you're not being disciplined, and you feel the nudge of the Holy Spirit, that's a good thing. And the grace of God is here to cover you. Paul said, my grace is sufficient. He will help you get through these things. He will help you get on the right track. And he will help you get your economy stimulated, both economically and spiritually. Because the real issue is a spiritual issue. You've got to apply the truth. I've got to apply the truth. Our government's going to apply the truth. Those are the real issues. Once we get those ironed out, the other things will become, begin to come into focus. And God provides grace to get us over that hump. When Paul was facing something he couldn't overcome, Jesus said these words, My grace is sufficient, Paul. My grace is sufficient for you. And he says the same thing to you sitting in this room right now. His grace is sufficient. If you've not walked with Jesus, let me tell you this right now, his grace is sufficient. If you've not known him, his grace is sufficient. If you've suffered loss, his grace is sufficient. If, you've, if you were going through difficult circumstances, his grace is sufficient. Listen, he will help you and he will get you through. But there's a requirement upon you to go, you know what, Jesus, I realize what I'm doing and it hasn't been quite right. I repent of those things. Let me get, help me get back on track. When you know the truth, you have to apply it. That's what Matthew 7 says. A wise man is a guy who hears my words and does them. His house will stand when when storms come. An unwise man is a person who hears my words and does nothing about them, Jesus says. His house will fall when the rains come and the storms happen. Live expecting Jesus to return and, uh, and know this He is carrying a reward with him. Is that good? Stand with me if you will. I want to pray for you. I want to say this. Everybody, close your eyes, bow your heads. These can be some really touchy issues at times. If you'd say, you know what? Lord, I'm hearing those words and I've not been content, I've not been disciplined. I've given in, I've operated just like everybody else has operated, and I need to get it back on track. Just be honest. You know, you're not being honest with me. Nobody else is looking around. You know, it's not about me. It's about what God's asking of you. Say, okay, God, here I am. Help me. Anybody like that? I see those hands. Anybody else? It's okay. We're all in this boat together, people. God's grace is sufficient. His help is abundant. And he starts you from the day. His mercies are new every morning. He'll say, okay, let's start a new day today. Let's get them with life. If you'd say, Lord, I just need help in some other areas. I'm gonna be maybe maybe I've been talking about finances or some other areas of your life. Where, you know, I've not been content with the relationships I have. And I just need help there. Anybody like that? I don't know. It'll be there we go. I've not been disciplined as a, just a worker at my job or at some other area. Maybe I've not been disciplined as a parent to, or something of that nature. Anything like that. I see those hands. God sees those hands. That's the big thing. He wants to stimulate every part of what your economy looks like, not just your finances. If we be honest with him, he'll meet us where we are. The Bible says we should repent so seasons of refreshing might come. If you say, dude, that's where I'm at. Aaron, God, listen to me. I realize I've goofed it up. I want to get it right. He's seen those hands. Let's pray. Jesus, you've seen the hands of the people. You understand what they're going through, and you recognize the frailty of our humanness. Lord, I'm grateful, Jesus, that your spirit supersedes all of our frailty. You empower us to be witnesses. And Lord, as we've heard your word today, add the blessing of the anointing of the Holy Spirit on that and enable us to walk out what it is you want us to walk out. God, help those who really struggle with impulsiveness and things of that nature, God, to put those things down. God, help us to be content. Help us to walk in discipline, keeping our eyes on the prize of what you've called us to do, called us to be more importantly, Lord. God, where there's sorrowful Heart-wrenching conviction, Lord, I pray, God, you would add joy and peace as they let that over on you, as they confess with their mouth that they've been in error where your word's concerned. And, God, meet them where they are and bring them seasons of refreshing. Dispel fear. Dispel worry. God, dispel frustration. God, dispel discouragement. And, God, bring life and hope and strength. Father, in this place, all the work we do, we do in vain if your Holy Spirit is not at work. And so, Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit just sweep across, fill in the holes, fill every void, and give empowerment where it's necessary. Help us to truly be disciples of Jesus, living the way he called us to live, responding the way he calls us to respond, and being what he wants us to be. Lord, your plans for us are for good and not for evil. Lord, you want to give us a future and a hope. So, Lord, we embrace that. Father, we bless you, and we love you, and we honor you. In the name of Jesus, amen. I was just thinking, and I feel like I didn't I do did this earlier, but I feel like it's necessary. If you're struggling in an area, you know what you might need to do? You might need to start coming Wednesday nights and take Bill's class. Victory in family finances. Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, right here in this room. He's taking spiritual principles, applying them to how they work, and we're going to spiritual side. We're going to offer a, a class in the fall. Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University starting in the fall, which is nuts and boltsy budget type things. We're going to do that then. But right now, let's deal with the spiritual element. Let's get it right so that the, 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 the practical element can have all the power it needs. Is that cool? If you're struggling in that area, do that. Sign up. Get here on Wednesday nights. It'll be good for you. Am I right, Bill? Amen. You're free to go. Walk in discipline. Walk in contentment. And most of all, walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. As many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. Amen.